Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about correcting wet fields. Oh no, it's right up my brother's alley. One of his most passionate topics is drainage. Brian, do I dare turn the keys over to you right now? Well, first of all, I'm on the road, so you, you're in total control on whatever airs on the show today, so I guess you can do whatever you want. But all I will say is when we start talking about drainage, I, I, I talk a lot about tile, but let's never forget there are many factors that enter into this thing. And two other big ones, we've talked about it some earlier this week, calcium percentage, we want that over 65%. And then the other thing is organic matter. We would like to see more organic matter out there. Now, usually the poorly drained soils have fairly decent organic matter. You know, I mean, a lot of times poorly drained soils, we're talking high cation exchange capacity and high cation exchange capacity soils have a lot of organic matter. Well, when we think about all those factors that we're talking about here, I, I like starting with oxygen, and, and you focused on several things here, but when we're looking at good drainage and wet fields, the problem with wet fields is they're full of water and they don't have any air in that soil profile, and that's what we're really trying to get to. And you mentioned calcium that gives a little more pore space. You mentioned organic matter. Uh, obviously, that helps with tilth, and tile, of course, helps keep that water table under control, keeping more oxygen in the soil profile. Yeah, it's just that there are a lot of misconceptions out there. And then there are also a lot of Band-Aid approaches where guys go, well, that fixed my problem. No, that helped a little bit with this year's problem, but it didn't solve anything long term. And the two things I think about right away are tillage and land leveling or however you want to look at that, ditching, whatever. But it's trying to get water to flow off the field faster is the point. So between those couple of things, you go, well, my, I don't have as much surface water now. That's not the point. The point is in our soil, having more air, like you said, because the more air you have, the more life you have in that soil, including better roots, which means better crops, better yield, better profit, and better long-term soil health. You know, I think about soil health, Brian, you talk about the microbes, that's a big, big deal. If we can keep our soil really turning where those microbes are breaking down chemical residues, those microbes are breaking down fertilizers, making them available for our crop. Those microbes are breaking down last year's crop residues and turning those nutrients back into an available form. It's a big, big deal. And the other thing with wet fields is they're just no fun. They're absolutely no fun to farm. We're getting stuck. We're pulling equipment out. We're pulling equipment apart, trying to get out. We're we're forcing to get things in in time. And you know, here we are, the end of May. If you've got wet fields right now, you're starting to think, you know what? I I'm not going to get a crop in now. I've got to take prevent plant, or now I've got to think about a cover crop in another month or two. And it's just no fun having wet fields. Nope, that's for sure. And we used to have a lot of these issues, and the word of encouragement I will give you today if you're having these issues and you're staring at possible prevent plant, muddy fields, lots of compaction issues, uh, sidewall compaction, what, whatever. I, I mean, I, the word of encouragement I will give you is you can fix it. You can change things. And even for somebody who, let's say, in the Dakotas and Montana, your grandpa got a few dollars 
to get a wetlands easement, you can even take care of a lot of those things. And I would just encourage you, take a look at what the very original document said. It's probably three acres out of a whole quarter section. So you can take care of everything else other than those three acres and, you know, maybe a couple acres right around it. So I, I'm, I'm just trying to, to tell you, there is a lot you can do to alleviate some of these drainage issues. We dealt with a lot of that back in the mid-2000s, uh, and we bought our first tile plow in 2007, and we really started addressing all these things then, calcium, organic matter, tile, and it has totally changed our farm. It's unbelievable. Our yields are more than double. We have, I mean, we barely ever get stuck, and the only times we get stuck are when it's a spot we hadn't tiled yet, maybe some new ground or just, oh, we thought that this was no big issue. We've tiled everything we need to in that field, so we did some spot tiling. No, we needed to throw it a little, throw a little more in. But anyway, the point is you can fix those problems, and things absolutely can get better. And then prevent plants gone. And then you have healthier soil. And then you raise better crops long term. And then you make a lot more money. It's amazing when you look at yield maps, and I talk to farmers all the time, oh, man, I'm happy with this field. It averaged 200, but I see a bunch of 240s and 250s in there, and I'm like, wait a second. Why didn't you get 240 or 250 average? Oh, we got this spot that only yields 120, and we got this spot that yields 140. Well, what's going on there? And more times than not, it ends up being a drainage issue. And for this year, I drive by fields right now, and I see little spots out in fields that didn't get planted you can still do tiling even in crop. That would be a great thing to do because what are you giving up for yield if you rip up a little bit of that area when there's no crop planted there or what crop is there is really suffering? Yeah. Yep, that's for sure. You fix the bad areas in the field. And even if you don't get them up to the 240 or 250, like you're saying, even if they go from 120 up to 200 now, it's night and day difference. That's exactly what happened on our farm. We had some bad areas that were yielding half well, even if they yield three quarters or 80%, you just made a ton more money. Yeah, there's definitely more money out there in the fields that we're currently farming. And the more farmers that I talk to, especially with as high land as land prices are and where commodity prices are at right now, a lot of guys are saying, you know, it's a whole lot better. I can definitely choose to afford to fix the fields that I've got now and improve production there versus trying to pick up new expensive ground and starting from square one on that. So we're going to talk about correcting wet fields today, making it more fun to farm and more profitable to farm. On today's program, our phone lines will be open throughout as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
How did planting go on your farm this year? Was everything perfect or did conditions stink, leading you to regret your planter's performance? If you had trouble closing your seed trench, your planter needs Germinator Closing Wheels from FarmShop MFG. Plus, with our late season discounts and free shipping, right now is the best time to upgrade. So don't let your planter disappoint you again. Fix the problem today. Order your Germinators now at farmshopmfg.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for heads-up seed treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on AgPhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold. Compatible and cost-effective season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply Heads Up to your 2020 bean seed order. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD. My sister's having a little fun with me today, and if, if you're new to listening to our program, Brian and I have a sister named Janelle. Now, Janelle says that we are her brothers. We say she's our sister, whatever, however it goes. Uh, what We could be known as Janelle's brothers, I guess. That's cool for the show. But anyway, Janelle's running the controls. So we got to be good or we're going to have trouble. And just like that, she she just muted me for a second, just just for fun, just to show me who's in charge. And that's okay. I, I accept that. And we're going to talk a little bit today about correcting wet fields. And, and actually, Janelle really appreciates correcting the wet fields, too, because she used to get stuck walking the bean fields with Brian and me and slugging through the mud in parts of those fields. And it's kind of nice seeing those fields look a little bit better out there. Made a lot of changes on the farm since we were kids, no doubt about that. One of them is how we're handling the, the fields with our machinery. And we've got C.J. Parker with us right now with Case IH. CJ, thanks for joining us. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Darren. All right. So we're talking correcting wet fields. And unfortunately, in 2020, we've got a ton of wet fields again, uh, much like we did in 2019. So you, you're getting lots of questions from farmers about wet fields. What tips have you got if farmers say, man, I got some wet ground to deal with? Well, there's, uh, you know, as you guys were, were talking to you earlier, um, there's a there's a lot of variety of things that can go into correcting that, that wet ground, you know, tile being one. And um, I know on the farm I grew up on in, in Illinois, and, and even where I live here now in northwest Ohio, you know, the some of the old clay tiles that were that were put in way back when just ain't quite doing the job again. So it's it's not a bad idea, especially if you got some ponding issues or stuff not working right to uh, to maybe go out there with the backhoe and, and dig down and, and see what them tiles look like. Yeah, we sure see the spots that tiles are broken or plugged up or whatnot out in fields. It, we notice that pretty quickly most of the time, and this is one of those years. One of the things that we're noticing in those spots is ruts. And I've talked to a lot of growers this year who, well, up in North Dakota, there's still guys harvesting and, and in other areas too, but not not 
a huge fortune that a huge amount of last year's crop still sitting out there, but there's still guys out there going. There's still ruts from last fall. What do we do in those areas where we've kind of made a mess? Well, you really need to, um, I, I case I H and, and myself, we, we really recommend, you know, taking a little bit of sweat equity and, and going out there with the spade and, and digging down in there. Um, rubbing that, rubbing that pocket knife up along the side with the tip of that pocket knife in to find where maybe that compaction layer is. Um, we found that for that return on investment of time and fuel spent is to run the tip of your uh, point to uh, to relieve that compaction about an inch to an inch and a half below um, where you find the bottom of that compaction layer to to help relieve you know some of that excess moisture to to go down into the soil profile to find them tiles. We've we've had really good luck with exactly what you're talking about there, CJ, on our farm, just getting right below that compaction and, and allowing our root system to move through. You know, one thing, too, on our farm, one mistake that we made this year was with some of the deep tillage work that we did. Man, some of it is so awesome, and our seed beds were so good this spring. And then in other fields, well, we made some adjustments because conditions weren't perfect. And I talked to growers all across the country that had to make some adjustments and some compromises here just to get the crop in i think it's something that we're going to be having to fix again this fall yeah and the uh, the challenges that mother nature has has given us and um last year and then um in parts of the country this year with it being so wet there's there's definitely some things that are that are going to take some time to fix but um i think being persistent and, and, and doing the right thing will um will hopefully pay off and and I know one other thing that I noticed here in Northwest Ohio, and around the fifteenth of May, um, over a course of a few days in the area where I live, uh, we got um, around four inches of rainfall or so, and uh, noticed a lot of uh, corn stalk residue um, moving that surface water off, plugging up ditches and, and culverts and so forth. And I, and I think that's something we need to be mindful of too, because we we keep on getting these huge amounts of rainfall. Um, and if we bury that residue a little bit more where some of it stays in place, that could that could help out quite a bit as well, too, when we do get that extreme rainfall event. Yeah, there's so many little management things like you're talking about there, CJ, that help make us more successful on the farm. And just dealing with that crop residue, I know we get a lot of questions about that this spring. Did you have good luck with spring tillage in northwest Ohio this year? Uh, we did. We actually had a had a pretty good pretty good spring. Um, the majority of stuff is planted. Um, we have noticed, you know, talking about wet problem areas in the field. Um, talking to some seed reps that I know and and some customers that there's spots where maybe the tile wasn't working or there's a compaction area where water might have stood for a little bit. Um, some of the corn and soybeans are, are struggling to come up through that crust. Um, believe it or not, a lot of guys are hoping for a rain today. To, uh, to help some of that stuff out and areas might have got it but um, it's it's good that's going to be something that's going to be struggling in them spots and there might be some planters going back out to, uh, to touch up them spots here this week yeah there sure will be uh, cj parker here with case ih cj thank you so much good luck uh, with the rest of the spring here thanks for being on today all right thanks a lot darren let's head up to minnesota we've got kevin lippert with us right now with with lippert tile kevin how you doing today good you know, we were talking about a few different things so far today in terms of correcting some of these wet fields, and certainly you've seen some fields turn around in a hurry when you get the proper drainage going out in those fields. The big thing that Brian and I talk a lot about is just how much more fun it is to farm when you've got good drainage going on in the field. Did you notice that this spring? 
Oh yeah, this spring was definitely a. You could see it. You got out way sooner. You just go end to end, and you know your soil profile on top is even, uniform, and uh, you get a even seed bed. Planter runs along smooth as glass. You know, when you look at the field, so you're in Minnesota and a lot of our listeners are like, wait a second, you talked to guys in Iowa and Minnesota. I thought the whole states were tiled. That's certainly not the case. But even for the growers that do have pattern tile in, it seems like they're doing some work from time to time, narrowing up spacings and and fixing and so forth. Is there a project that you work on more often than others with the guys that have already pattern tiled? Um. Yeah, we've gone in where, you know, they've been in there in the past and, you know, and they put six inch cement every 120 feet and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's 50 inches deep and it just doesn't, I mean, it works. There's nothing wrong with it, but, um, they've learned over some time when they do pattern tile with plastic the last few years, you know, we went back in there and of course it is some time and money to find that, find it all again, but, um, cause it's not on GPS map, but we go in there and plow in lines in between there and then the field evens off for them I've seen that a lot in the heavier ground that I know our forefathers that, that hand dug in some tile way back earlier in, in uh, last century there's only so many feet they're going to put in they're going to go just the bare minimum and they're going to go as wide as they can so I, I agree with you even on our farm too here where there have been a, has been a little bit of tile that was put in a long long time ago it's something we're narrowing up those spacings and then maybe changing the depth up a little bit. Do you see that as guys are putting in plastic tile now, they're shallowing up the depth a little bit, bringing the lines a little closer together. Is that helping speed things up? Oh, definitely. You know, if they can hold a profile at 40 to 45 inches and then don't break 60 feet, you know, that evens it up. You know, we've seen fields that, you know, even five inch is a stretch on 75 feet. You know, you can see it throughout the year, you know, and on a drier year, you can see the tile lines, you know, there's more water over the tile lines because the moisture is, uh, you know, the ground uh, moisture line is up higher where the tile is and you can, you can see them at, on 75 foot spacing. So I try and encourage guys not to break 60 feet with four and five inch tiles. So, but they got so much money to spend too, you know, and. When stuff is on GPS, we've put some stuff in now at 120 feet with the hopes they just go back in there next year, two years later, that they can, um, you know, go in between. It's easy to find now on GPS once you have it mapped and then uh, go back in there and tile it out when they get some more money, I guess. So, but like I said to everybody else is some tiles better than no tile. If you don't have any tile in the ground and you put tile lines every 120 feet, you're going to notice a difference there too, so... Absolutely. And uh, like earlier in the show, we were talking about just how heavy and big some of these rains are with C.J. Parker. Getting that tile spaced correctly sure helps when you get into those years with excess rain. Talking with Kevin Lippert with Lippert Tile over in Minnesota. Thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. 
Did planting conditions stink on your farm this year? If you had trouble closing your seed trench, your planter needs Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. Don't let your planter disappoint you again. Fix the problem today. Order your Germinators now at farmshopmfg.com. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines. Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. The system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. And you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management, too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. Our topic is correcting wet fields. Oh yes, I know it's one of Brian's favorites. He would probably have it on once a week as this topic if if he could do it. But we don't let him go quite that far. It is one of those things though that we can control. You know, it's hard to unless you have irrigation control how much moisture you're going to receive on the field. But we can certainly control what happens with that moisture and, and certainly the, the underground water table. We've got a good level of control on, too, with drainage tile. We had a tile installer on earlier, Kevin Lippert here, and he was talking about just putting in tile for other folks. But it, it's something you can certainly do yourself, too. We've got Dave with us right now, farms over in Pennsylvania, has done a little bit of this tiling work himself. Dave, how are you doing? Good. Darren, how are you? Good. Okay. So I talk to farmers all the time and say, oh, I don't know. 
I probably better hire a contractor, and there's nothing wrong with that. Boy, when people have experience at this, that's a pretty good deal, and it's nice if you haven't done it before to rely on that. But what got you into doing tiling yourself? Was it simply a monetary thing, or were you just kind of interested in doing it? Well, um, it it was a monetary thing in terms of uh, not being able to get on fields. Um, and we had uh, about 40 acres that we weren't able to farm for the past three years because of wetness. And uh, that amounts to a loss of money. So we, we got us a, a soil max tile plow and we're starting to do it ourselves. And uh, it definitely has made a difference. I know. The only thing we haven't been able to figure out is how to stop the rain. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty good rainy. Well, hey, that's good timing then to to get some tiling done just ahead of some of this rain. But you know, one thing that C.J. Parker with KSIH was on the show earlier, he brought up is you know we don't get the half inch rains anymore. We get the four inch rains. It seems like, and wow, four inch rains are tough to deal with. Yeah, and, and uh, we have heavy wet soil, so even a one-inch rain puts us out of the field for three or four days at least. And uh, it really didn't stop raining until after the second week of May this year. So we were really scrambling to try to do as much field work as we could in the last two days. And thankfully, today's a rainy day, so we can take a rest. All right, let's talk about your tiling setup then. You mentioned you've got a gold digger plow. What what does it take for a tractor to pull it? Have you had issues with needing a second tractor out there to pull you through some of the wet spots? What have been some of the things you've learned? Yeah, well, we uh, we generally use like about a 200-horsepower tractor, four-wheel drive, heavily weighted, um, but we do end up having to use a dozer from time to time, small John Deere 450 um, that we pull with um, because we do hit some hard spots. We sometimes hit some ledge. And uh, we're kind of in a unique area because everything is sloped around here. So people talk about tiling at, uh, you know, 2.2% grade. Well, we're usually running 2% or greater. And uh, we don't have any trouble getting the water away downhill. But at the same time, um, we did a lot of fields with pattern tiling at about 50 feet intervals. And we really think we need to bump that up to 20 to 25 or 30 feet um, because we're still missing some wet spots here and there. Yeah, it, it's one thing that once you start doing this, you really pay attention to, all right, where did my yield monitor go down? What's going on there? Or do we still see some spots that are slower to drain? I know one of our fields this year, we noticed, you know, we didn't have the spacing quite right in one spot and we lost a little area that we couldn't even get through with the planter when we ran through there the first time because it was it was really wet in that spot and the tie lines had already quit running. So we knew we missed it. You mentioned the slope. Yeah. And I bet there's some farmers in your area that say, ah, why are you tiling? We got lots of slope, aren't there? Yeah, but you can get these wet seeps that come out at the top of the hill around here. <laughs> um, I know people wouldn't believe it, but uh, you just have them in random spots. And sometimes we have to go back in and we've got a 10 or 20 foot spot that's wet. And it's only 10 feet from the tile line. So we have to go in. And just manually put in some tile with a hoe and some gravel and catch that nearest lateral because we're just not picking it up with uh, 30 or 50-foot spacings. Oh, interesting. How about rocks? Do you have rock in your area, Dave? And if so, has that been a challenge for you? Yeah. Um, I'm glad to sell any that we find. And <laughs> the, the ledges are the big 
problems. Every once in a while, we'll hit a shale ledge, and it'll just either put us dead stop, or sometimes we've had to go around it, um, or get the uh, get the hoe out and spend a few hours trying to dig something out. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges in different soils as we head around the country. We're talking with Dave over in Pennsylvania with some real heavy soils, and he's finding narrower spacings are, are working better and catching some of the extra spots that they've found out in fields that have been a little bit wet. Dave, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks for sharing, and would love to have you back on another time. Okay, thanks a lot, Darren. You bet. Got Craig with us right now. He's in South Dakota. Craig, how are you today? Good. Yourself? Well, we're doing pretty good. Now, this year looks a little different than 2019, I'm betting, out in your area, but are you still a little wet? Yeah, well, we were real good here. We got planted done real well, and then now we had about two inches of rain this last week, and things are pretty wet right now. So, Sure. So is the next thing getting out to do some post-emerge spraying on your farm? Is that the next job? That'll probably be the next step, yes. All right, talk to us about the tiling a little bit. I know we're, we're talking about south, uh, southern South Dakota, south central South Dakota, and a lot of times guys are nervous, well, we're not going to get enough rain, and this is going to hurt us. What, what's been your experience with the tile? Uh, my experience, we do pattern tiling, and everything we put in is pattern tiled. Um, in the dry years, it doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Um, it seems like the roots go down further, and I think when you tile, uh, your ground, you don't get that hard pan because it's, it's drier always underneath, and when you're working the ground or doing your field work, it's always drier in the field. Yeah, I, I would agree with you about those deeper roots, too. I know in 2012 on our farm, that was something we were really curious about. When we finally got this this drought that they'd been talking about for a few years leading up to, oh, we're going to have a drought, we're going to have a drought. Well, we finally got one in 2012, and our root systems were deeper over those tile lines, and we were really happy with how we turned out. Yes, I, I was, too. I mean, my crops weren't any worse than anybody else's in 2012, so. Now, you mentioned avoiding compaction by by having decent drainage out there, and this is one that I know in your area there's been a lot of guys complaining about compacted soil, and, and they've had issues because it's been just borderline when they've been out in the field the last couple of years here especially. By avoiding that compaction, that, that saves a lot. There's no doubt about it, and it sure helps make those tiles work well also without compaction. Right, and we're going, by putting in pattern tile like that, we're going back to less tillage again because we don't have to go out and work the ground to dry it out. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits like that that you think about. If you can do, le- if you don't need to do as much tillage, especially where you're at, and it, it can get, definitely get dry there, that, that can save you some moisture for, for those tough times that we know we're going to have at some point during the season. Right, right. So how about with, uh, how about with ditching? I know there've been some guys in, in your area that have done some surface ditching. Do you see a lot of that going on still, or are you seeing more guys starting to convert to doing some subsurface drainage? There is a lot of subsurface drainage going on in our area. I, the guy I work with, he is so busy. He don't know which way to turn usually all year long. So 
Yeah, that's that's promising. We get a lot of questions about what's happening in South Dakota because I know Brian and I have certainly been talking about, boy, we got a long ways to go here, but we are making progress pretty quickly. Good to hear that, Craig, that, that your area is, is really catching on and, and getting a lot more tile in the ground. Hopefully that helps you here the rest of this season too. Craig, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Appreciate you sharing a little about what's going on. I, I also am thankful you brought up a few of these benefits that, that you're seeing that, man, there are so many good things about putting drainage tile in the ground. Can I, yeah, I got a question for you, Darren. Sure, sure, Craig. Tell you what, we're up against a break. Uh, hold on for just one second. We'll get to your question right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Ultra Blazer! Kinda sounds like the name of a superhero, doesn't it? Well, to soybean growers it is, because Ultra Blazer from UPL controls the toughest weeds including pigweed, ragweed, and waterhemp. And you can make it part of your resistance management program on all trait-based beans, even dicamba tolerant. Plus, with Ultra Blazer, there are no plant-back concerns. Talk about superpowers! To learn more, contact your crop protection consultant or dealer. Always read and follow label directions. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean and weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about correcting wet fields, and wow, there are plenty of them again this year. Just before the break, we were chatting with Craig. He farms in South Dakota as well. And Craig, you had a question that we didn't get to yet before the break. Thanks for hanging on there. Yeah, no problem. I got a question for you. In our area last year, we were very wet, and we had a lot of gravel. We live in a lot of gravel roads in this area. And you've talked to a lot of people about this. It seems like where I had tile lines perpendicular with the road, them gravel roads never broke up or never got soft spots on them. Have you ever seen anything like that in other areas? Absolutely. And you look at how they're putting in highways and interstate highways. They're putting tile lines in right along those. And we notice it out in the country, right? Like exactly uh, a mile and a half east of our farm, we've got a We've got a gravel road that runs through that was having problems, and we've got a couple of neighbors that work together with us, and the the three of us came together on a tiling project. And since we've done that, it's really saved the road and, and made it drivable because what's happening with, with these roads is there's water seeping underneath the roads. So we can fix it with tile, get the drainage improved around it. It's a big deal. So, yeah, you just did a big deal for your township there, Craig, by fixing up the, fixing up the drainage problems out in your fields. That, that certainly helped the road. Right, and that's that's something that needs to go to the county and the commissioner so they understand that when they're when you're trying to put a tile project together. I agree. I I think for all of us as farmers, we've got a lot to learn, and certainly a lot of farmers that say, "Okay, I need to know more about this tiling before I can make a good decision on my farm." Uh, same thing with the road crews, and when you look at the state highway department, county roads even township roads, there's a lot of those folks that, yeah, they need to come out and see what's going on. But there's there's water underneath the ground. There is a water table, and if we can control that, we can keep that road drier and avoid some of those heaves that we see out in the road and certainly avoid the soggy situations that we've run into the last couple of years in our state. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Darren. You bet. Thanks for bringing that up, Craig. That's what a great caller. Craig's got just a bunch of stuff that he's seen. And, and that's the important thing is you make some changes on your farm. Notice what's happening around you and take a look at some of the other side benefits. We talked about, well, Craig said he's doing less tillage now. He doesn't need that tillage to dry things out in the spring like he used to need. And that's a great thing for us. If we can do less tillage, that is less money that we're spending out in the field. Oftentimes in the spring, if we're doing tillage, that's our chance that we can create more compaction problems and, and mess with our, our seed bed a little bit. And if we can avoid that, that's a great thing. The roads are such a big deal. We talk about this quite often, and I know it sounds a little bit self-serving for a farmer to say heavy trucks are not the worst thing on the road. The worst thing on the road is the water that's coming up from underneath. And if you actually get out there and take a look at things and look at how water's moving through the soil, you'll see what we're talking about here. And Craig had a great point. He, he said from firsthand experience, he's noticed where he's got his tie lines running perpendicular to the road. He's seeing that, that road not having a problem anymore with soft spots like it used to. And we've noticed that on our farm as well. There's so many things when it comes to correcting wet fields. Brian started the show off by saying, yep, tiling is going to be a big one that we'll talk about. Another one is getting your calcium percentage up in your soil. What we're talking about here is your base saturation percentage of calcium. And when it's below 65%, what we've got is generally some tight soils that don't drain as well. 
the thing about calcium is it's a big molecule and it allows for more pore space in the soil compared to other things like sodium and magnesium that are much smaller and pack a lot, a lot more into the soil. Uh, Brian, do you want to expand on that calcium topic at all? Well, just the fact that when you have these big pieces there, these big calcium pieces, then it's much easier for air to move through. It's much easier for water to move through. So you, you absolutely will have better drainage. And you can think about it yourself. If Let's just say, for example, you wanted to move water through something. What would you put out there? Would you put big pieces uh, or small pieces? So let's say it's your driveway and you want stuff to go through fast. You put uh, rocks there, or you put solid dirt. What do you think is going to happen? Well, of course, if you have big pieces, then the air moves through, the water moves through faster. And calcium is just a much bigger molecule than what magnesium is. So you want good levels of calcium. That's a proven fact. The other thing that I was going to talk about, coming back to this drainage deal, and Darren, you mentioned a, a really good point on this tillage. There are a lot of people that want to go no-till. Let me just give you the example of central South Dakota, so the state that we live in. As you get to the center part of the state, they get less rainfall. They're going to have, on average, 16 to 20 inches of total annual precipitation. That includes the snow, and they're trying to raise a crop on that. So a lot of guys going back 25 years ago decided, you know what, let's try no-till. Now we've got much better herbicides. We have much better uh, planting equipment, and we can actually make this work, and Sure enough, a lot of guys were able to make it work. Well, now what's ended up happening is they've built their soils up and they're trapping so much moisture that a lot of these guys are running in to prevent plant issues the other way, where it's too wet instead of too dry. And I go, well, guys, all you need is tile out there. When you used to do all this tillage, you'd get rid of the water that way. But now that you're trying to go no-till, you want some tile. And I'm not saying you have to pattern tile everything but at least get it in through the valleys and stuff, and let's fix those issues. Tiling allows you to no-till much more effectively, and here's the thing. When you go out there and you go, oh, it's questionable to be out here, what do you do? You leave some ruts. Well, when you leave some ruts, now you're forced back into tillage again, and a lot of these guys don't want to do tillage. So, I, 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 I mean, we've been able to transform farms because of, let's say, no-till versus conventional till, but when you go no-till, everything changes. I mean, your herbicide decision has to change. Your planter has to change. Um, your seed variety you pick has to change. You now need, you absolutely need seed treatments, whereas before it wasn't as big a, a thing. You need more fungicide now, and you definitely need some tile, at least in your wetter areas, so you can no-till and have that soil be healthy. And Craig, that we were just speaking with too, is is in central South Dakota. This is an area where if we can do less tillage, that that can be a really good thing for them and making reduced till work even right. better by correcting the wet spots out there. It's just been a game changer for a lot of farmers. There's no question about it. Craig was talking about how now, popular tiling's getting in his area for that reason. Yeah, but the whole thing is you get a year like 2012 when there's barely any, any moisture out there. And, I mean, a lot of guys like us went three months with no rain. You think about that, three months with no rain. Now, we still raised a really good crop. We've got pretty good soil, and we had it built up well with fertility. And so we even still had some 200-bushel corn when we went May, June, July, no rain. Unbelievable. But, anyway, here's my whole point. A lot of guys worry about a year like that, and they go, well, 
I want to save my moisture for later. I'm in, let's just call it, central South Dakota. I want to save that moisture for later. And I go, I always tell people, no, no, tile is not going to get rid of any water that would have ever helped you. All we're getting rid of with tile is the toxic water. And I don't mean toxic by it's contaminated water. I mean there's too much water. And when there's too much water, that's toxic. That kills plants. It kills microbes. It kills your soil. All we're doing with tile is lowering the water table. That's it. We're not removing all the water. You're still going to have roughly 25% of that soil is water, even with tile in the ground. Even in 2012, that drought year, our best yields were still over the tile line. So don't get worried about tile is going to dry out your soil so much that it's a terrible thing. No, no. I mean, if you're that worried about it, put your tile lines at two and a half or three feet so you keep your water table a little bit higher. But you don't ever want that water table up in the root zone or your crop is dead, your soil is dead, your beneficial microbes are dead, and your chance for good yield and good profit are unfortunately probably also dead. Talking about improving and correcting wet spots out in fields on our show today, and hopefully you've heard a few things here that, that get you excited about this because it's, it's, as we've said a few times, been a game changer on our farm, getting things fixed up, and it's made things a lot more fun for us. This spring, for example, we were able to get in so early and planting end-to-end through these fields. It's been it's been a pretty neat deal, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot more fun when we're not out there having trouble in the fields. We'll get to some of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an axial flow combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? 
Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean and weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down in long-lasting residual powers, making his soybeans, like, literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Corn and soybean growers are in a race against time when it comes to hard-to-kill weeds. Interline Herbicide from UPL works fast to eliminate some of the most challenging glyphosate-resistant weeds, including pigweed, waterhemp, mare's tail, and ragweed. Interline can be used as a burn-down treatment or as an over-the-top treatment in glufosinate-tolerant crops, including Liberty Link varieties. Ask your retailer or UPL sales representative about Interline, and always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Today, we've been talking about correcting wet fields, but let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, got a fertility question for you here about applying dry urea to corn. This one comes from Curtis down in the state of Kansas. And he said, I heard you guys talking earlier this week that you aren't as much of a fan about a applying dry urea in season on corn. I was wondering if you could talk about it a little more. Around my area, many of the cooperatives are pushing this just before tassel, putting on 25 to 50 pounds, depending on yield goal and if you need more nitrogen. Most of them are using a dry rig or by airplane. Last year, I did 25 pounds by plane. Uh, This was on dry land corn. It did help, but I did get lucky as well and caught a rain right away. I'm just wondering if I should try more acres like this this year or not. I put down 150 pounds N before planting and also put down some starter fertility. First say, we are huge believers in IP, at IPHD in doing as much stuff yourself on your own farm as you can. Not having to call the plane in, not having to call a custom applicator in, if you can do it yourself, that's great. That's typically the cheapest way to go, and now you're in control, as opposed to somebody else being in control. And so the timing, you never know. Sometimes the timing's perfect, but if you're the one in control and you only have a few acres to do, Great. You can get it all done right before that rain every year instead of just some years. So the reason why I don't like urea over the top of corn is leaf burn. Now, if you're only doing 25 or 50 pounds, that is not much. I, I mean, 20, 25 pounds is only a little over 10 pounds or about 12 pounds of actual nitrogen. So that's almost nothing. I, I, I mean, it may, frankly, it may have been 25 I, pounds actual. It may have been 25 pounds okay. actual. There we go. He didn't. There he didn't go. specify, right. he, but he I'm. Didn't I'm go. guessing it. Pro- I agree with you. If it was 25 pounds of urea, that wouldn't be much. But my thought is, it's probably oh 25 pounds of actual N. Well, let me ask you this: What's what's 50 pounds of urea cost today? So, or it'd be 55 to get you to uh, 25 pounds of actual. But anyway, what's 50 pounds of urea cost today? Uh, Darren, you just had a price. Uh, that, uh, yeah, let's just say let's just say retail it was three hundred dollars a ton. That's okay. that's right. uh, do the math for me. So yeah. basically, you got to take three hundred divided by twenty. So you got fifteen bucks. So here's my point: you don't have a lot of dollars, right? Not many dollars that you're spending on the nitrogen. How much is a plane going to charge you? Eight, Eight bucks. Ten. Right. So why why would you do that? 
I, I, I mean, you're going to spend almost double. Your nitrogen cost is now almost double. So here's my point. If I'm going out there, I'm going to make it worthwhile. I'm going to put on a lot more pounds, or I'm going to do it myself so I have a lot less cost to the application, or I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm going to throw the extra 25 pounds on early myself. So I would prefer to do it that way. Now, I'm not saying that fits in all cases, but I'm just, I, I want you to hear my thought process on what I'm thinking about. But when I ratchet up my, my nitrogen cost from, oh, it's only $15 an acre to all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, it's $23 an acre, or maybe $25 an acre, I go, whoa, for that little bit? That's a dollar a pound. Do I really want to spend that I, in this day and age? I don't. So anyway, I, I don't like the leaf burn, and it's more of a problem when you actually have a whirl there. Once you get to tassel, it's much less of a problem, and it's also much less of a problem when the, the corn is dry. So you don't ever want to spray or, or spread dry urea over the top of corn when the, the corn plant is wet. So do it when the corn plant is dry during the middle of the day and hope for a rain that night and now you're in good shape. But with urea that's untreated, so in other words, no nitrogen stabilizer, you've got 48 hours, and then you're going to start losing it. You do not have a lot of time. So what we do instead on our farm, right now, liquid nitrogen's cheaper, number one. Liquid nitrogen, number two, is going to last longer without a stabilizer uh, and without losing it. And number three, I can do it myself in a lot of cases, and I can put it down on the ground, I can put it right next to the plant, I mean, I just, I, I really prefer the liquid nitrogen. That's the direction that I would go, and I would do it earlier. I mean, there's no reason why you have to wait until tassel unless you have, a, I mean, a really sandy field. You can get it done earlier than that. So I, I'm not saying what you're doing is bad. I'm just looking at it, and I go, it sounds to me like it's going to cost a lot of money, and I'm not going to get a lot for it. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Curtis. Uh, got one from Doug here, and there there may be something in here, Brian, that I think Doug might have the wrong name, but he said, my, my question arises from previous comments you made on the show about uh, some corn spraying. He said, I'm wondering if Bucktrol is antagonistic when combined with Roundup. That's his first question. You want to take that one? Uh, Bucktrol and Roundup are not antagonistic that I know of. We have not a lot of people, but a few people will put Bucktrol together with Roundup in corn. They're usually running like eight ounces of Bucktrol. And the reason why they're throwing it in there is for a little bit of help on weeds like kochia, lamb's quarters. Uh, there are a number of weeds out there that might be a little bit tolerant to Roundup, and then the Bucktrol helps. All right. The other thing that I would say is... Wild buckwheat. Oh, wild, sorry. Wild buckwheat would be another one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's the rest of his question he said he used outlook as his pre-emerge on corn but i'm not sure if he's got the right name because outlook is a straight group 15 and doug goes on to say therefore i can't use an hppd for post spraying so i'm wondering what you did use for the pre-emerge because outlook does not have an hppd in it but maybe there's a different product that you use that did have an HPPD. He said pigweed and lamb's quarters are his primary concern. So let's talk through that for just a second. If pigweed is a big problem, Bucktrol is not a great helper. And if they're Roundup resistant, nope. I don't think you're going to take them out. Now, lamb's quarters, nope. I think you'll do a good job having Roundup and Bucktrol right. together. I think that'd be awesome on lamb's quarter. But, but with the pigweed... Boy, you're really going to have to switch to one of the safer Dicamba products like Diflex or better yet, Status. 
Yeah, so let's say he actually did run Outlook. I, I mean, that now you're wide open. You could throw a little bit of HPPD together with your Roundup, lights out, and he spent almost no money. HPPD is the lowest price it's ever been, and uh, so is name brand Roundup. All right, thanks for the question. I really appreciate that one. Uh, Logan sent one in. He said, do you have your seed company or fertilizer team? company do your soil testing or do you work with someone that specializes in soil testing and do you send those those samples to a specific lab or does your seed company or somebody else process them Uh, logan thanks for the question we do our own soil sampling on our own farm and we send those into a lab an independent lab that that specializes in soil testing now you could certainly have one of your providers a seed company or a fertilizer company pull samples for you or, or something like that but we just have found it's been the best for us to learn more about our soil and to have a little control about where those samples get pulled, especially if we know there's a specific spot in our field that we're trying to fix. So that that's been our strategy on the farm. Thanks for the question. Got one from Jason. Uh, He said, I wanted to give you a crop progress report from Northern Alberta. And let me pull that up. Thanks for that, Jason. He said it, First of all, we had about 30% of our crop left out in the field is unharvested. About half of that was harvested this spring. There's still a little bit to go. Right now, we're two-thirds of the area is seeded. On our farm, we're way behind. Haven't been able to get anything because we're super wet. They've been forecasting rain again, so that's that's a little disappointing. So it did make some calls to tile contractors working in western Canada. Basically, they told me they're not tiling anything in Alberta because the Ministry of Environment will not approve any new tiling projects in the province. And, and if the government finds out it was done without approval, there are some huge fines. Uh, thanks for the update, Jason, especially on a day we're talking about tiling. That's that's really tough when you can't get it done in your area. That's that's really discouraging. Uh, get a question. Yeah, and, you know, this is where, hey, this yeah, we can't let that one go. We're going to finish the show on that question because that's absolute ridiculous nonsense. And when you've got governments that have no idea how to farm, how we should farm, and what great things tile can do for the environment, then you've got to take action. And, you know, when we're in countries like the United States and Canada, with millions, tens of millions of people, many of whom live in towns, we often think, oh, we individually can't make a difference. I want to say to you right now, you can make a difference. You can make things happen. But it's going to take action. It's going to take time. It's going to take some work. But we got to get after this because that's, that is absolute craziness. We've got to have tile in Canada. Yeah, thanks for sending that response in. It's, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And, and I wonder what the, the reasons are for it, too. What, what are the political things that are holding it back? Because common sense, it, it just doesn't make any to me. Thanks for that, Jason. Really appreciate that. Thanks to you for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.